Hey team, welcome to the Professionally Offensive Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Cabrera. This is the spot where we provide raw, unfiltered insights from some amazing guests. Stand by, you're about to be offended in all the right ways. So you know what I think about when I look outside and I realize it's January, where we were 12 years ago. And I remember you coming up to me with your red light on. We were like eight miles into the Rock March and Ranger School. We've been there for four days. We haven't slept. And do you remember what you said to me? You looked me dead in the eye and you had to come like super close because it was pitch black. And you said to me, you having fun yet? And and I, dude, that just amped me up so much. And then like, you know, we finished the Rock March, we get done. Um, and then they, you know, tell us to drop our pants and then stick us with penicillin. <laughs> but like, it's it's times like this, thinking about those where we are now, I just, oh man, that's just, that's awesome that we were able to have that opportunity. And there's so many more memories we could go down about Ranger School. But I think about that, especially when it's like freezing rain, zero degree temperatures. And like, not only did we go through that together, but we had such a blast. Oh man, I cannot believe you remember. I mean, it must've just made such a imprint on that moment because i do think about little it's funny what little moments you remember right and like it's not the grandiose gestures or none of that stuff it's that thing there so glad you've jogged my memory on that man that was in what like it was that the first week of our our test stuff is that when yeah that was a that was a 12 mile so that that was like at the end of rap week where you're like all right you actually get into ranger school by completing that in under three hours yeah man no so Y'all, welcome to the podcast. I am here with my dear friend, Tony Nash, host of the Got Your Six podcast, Ar- army here. officer extraordinaire, athlete <laughs> through the roof, man. I mean, I can just go on and on and on. So no, all you got to say is just a kid from Buffalo. That's it. That's oh, the at kid? the end of yeah, the day. Right. Just a, just and happy husband. That's, that's, my, that's my title. That's the tagline. Kid from Buffalo, happy dude, happy husband. Yeah. Best life, man. God, it's so good to see yeah. your face. And I, Dude, it's so good to see you. I'm so glad, man, you kicked off with the Ranger story because I do think that that is, isn't it weird? We go, it's been that long since we've had, since we've been freezing, starving, and, you know, all the things sleep deprived and why it continues right. to permeate. It's always in the brain. Why is that? Why is that always there? There's never a traffic jam in the extra mile. And you just taking the time in the middle of that you know, suck to just check in with me without actually checking in on me meant the world. And I'm sure you've seen that too. I mean, I've listened to the episodes um, where it's those very, very minuscule things to the individual, but to the recipient, it's monumental. Yeah. You don't forget stuff like that, right? It's the same thing as like handwritten thank you notes. It takes you it's easy to delete an email, right? That's just a slip of a thing, but you have to physically open the envelope, cut it open, read what was said. Like that takes time. So you're investing your time into this, you know, this gesture. It's going to mean something to you. No, you're right, man. It's such a, it's such a, um, it's, oh, it's not a two-way street on that. I think that's what was interesting about gestures like that, going to ranger training, what you've yeah. said to somebody. I've had my guys come up to me, and I've done the same to other folks. And one time you said this thing to me, and it changed my, like, literally changed the trajectory of my life. And you're like, well, and that, you're like, I don't even know what that was. What did you tell me? Just like I told you. And you go, this yeah. thing. 
and even when you hear it, you're like, really that thing? And it's also, it's timing, right? It's like the right time and the right place, hearing the thing you need to hear all of a sudden penetrates into your DNA. Um, but it's not two way street cause you delivering it out of your mouth isn't always, you, you don't always think that it's as meaningful as somebody receiving it, which I think is the point on why you do it. Um, for our listeners out there, those you may have heard either on Tony's pod or me talking about ranger training and, and what this was all about and everything else, small summary cliff notes version. If you do it, it's a, if you get to graduate straight through on that thing, it's a little over two months. It takes, you are eating, you are eating one meal a day. And the reason that's important is because you're burning about 13,000 calories a day on constant rotation with tactical missions, learning small unit tactics. It's the military's, and I'd say military because they actually send all branches there, not just the Army's, premier leadership training. Um, you're going in about two hours or so max of sleep a day, um, and you're enduring three different ecosystems, kind of the forest ecosystem, the mountain ecosystem, and the swamp ecosystem. Um, and you're and during that entire time, you're having to make pretty high risk decisions the entire time while trying to motivate, you know, whatever your ranger platoon is, it can be 30 to 40. Your folks. peers. Every, yeah. Everybody's your right. peer. Oh, we talk about regardless that. of rank. Yeah. yeah. The, the peer thing is actually really interesting. So I, so that's like the suck fest in a, in a, in a cliff note version of it, but you actually just said something about the peer reviews. I actually think that's the most, I think that's the special sauce at ranger training. Talk about that. Well, I mean, at the end of each phase and throughout, like you're constantly being evaluated by your peers as well as evaluating your peers. Um, and you can actually be asked to leave Ranger School if your peers don't deem you like pulling your own weight. And it does, you don't have to be the smartest or the strongest, but you have to be able to contribute throughout the team. Um, and I think that's something, and I know we've kind of just continued to discover this as a, a common theme among our guests on our podcast. Um, where they're always some sort of like, while they might be the head of something or elite, they've always consistently been a great teammate. And that's been a common tenet throughout, you know, their DNA. Um, and then really dissecting what does it mean to be a great teammate? Because it's not always about, you know, delivering people. It's about more of like reliability. People know that you're going to be there when you say you're going to be there. Again, back going to the small gestures. It's weird. You think the word reliable, right? You almost think that that's a, it's almost a throwaway. You hear reliable and you just think, well, everybody should be reliable and or it's even like if middle, middle of the, yeah, average. It seems average, right? Like it's of words, yeah. you know, like uh, of all the words you can use to describe somebody reliable, you would almost think is a, like a five out of 10, but it's well, yeah, not. Look at, like the car company is always like reliable. It's a reliable car. Like, all right. <laughs> yeah. But a ranger training, until you're on the side of the road. That's right. Cause your car is all messed up. Well, and this is like, it goes back to those, those days they're spent in, in Benning and Dahlonega and out there in the swamps of Florida, where you realize that, um, and then when we got to take this, what we learn out there into theater, what you learn is that being reliable is everything. When you are going to split your forces up and you're like, by tomorrow at this time, you will be on this hillside because I will be on this one and we're going to execute something because if you, but if you're not there, then I'm going to know something went real south. Yeah, being reliable is super important, you know, and making sure that you can get it done. And it's amazing the little things. Do you remember, before we get into kind of what the episode's about today, I know folks are probably listening in, yeah. like, what the heck are these guys talking about? Um, but I, do you have anything else that comes to mind? I think it's such an issue. We may need to just do, we may need to get a couple no, more I buddies think, in I here. I think that's the scale, right? Because you need to be able to tell somebody, hey, I got your six, 
but you can also be professionally offensive <laughs> and like set them straight and be like, you know, Hey, this is what I'm seeing. And they receive both and they understand. And they know it comes from a place of like love and care. And also, Hey, we're still trying to accomplish this end state to get to, to the end of this mission. Yeah, no, that's dead on man. So before we go into it, what else do you remember from that training, man? That stuck out funny story or just even something. I mean, it, it, even before that, right. Think about just going, you and I would always bump into each other in the hallway at, at school. And it, it was always just a, ch a check-in, whether it was a smile, even if no words were ever exchanged, Yeah, you were always looking out and it, it went, you know, it went both ways and you could, you can meet somebody that went to one of those places whether there was ranger school, the, you know, even the army at large or West point that you've never talked to before in your life, but you have that instant connection because you've gone through those shared experiences together. And you got a good baseline of what to generally expect from that person, right? I know that, you yeah. know, if I never met Tony in my life and I met you and I knew that, all right, man, this is an academy guy and a, and a, you went through ranger training. When'd you go? You got, you know, winter. Okay. Great. Then you even know even further, right? What kind of person that is, right? It means you're freezing. Yeah. Um, but it matters, man. I think that I think about, uh, just how we check in on folks. I love that it hasn't been done out of just sheer, a pedigree check. I think this is one thing that as I think about the life you're still living in the life that, you know, a former life for me, which was looking on those things are important because you want to know that when things hit the fan, I'm asking you those questions because I want to know who I'm going to ride to go help me make this, whatever bad stuff go away. And so, whereas mm -hmm. I think anywhere else, it would be much more about, you know, the, the typical bumping of elbows and saying, Hey, look, this is, you know, kind of our click. Yeah. And we always look, too, to like, you know, when things go, when shit hits the fan, but also like you have those people that are going to absolutely just celebrate to the, to the latest hour into the wee hours of the morning with you because they're happy to see you succeed. Yeah, no, that's right, man. But all right, let's kick into what we're going to talk about, man. So Tony's been running a really great successful podcast here, just talking to incredible high performers. I've been very blessed and fortunate to talk to just some of the greatest leaders out there and being able to share their wisdom one of the things we thought would be really nice is us to be able to kind of just talk a little casually to our audience and to each other just about what are the things we've learned? What are the things, what are the patterns that we've seen with these high performer successful folks who have seemed to continue to push the ball forward and forward and forward? Um, and with him being able to come in through the angle of not only finding incredible folks who've had some kind of background in the service and are still continuing to serve their tribes and me as well trying to look at how it is that these business successes and organizational successes continue to thrive i just thought it'd be a good way for us to just kind of put our brains together and sharing with you all what we have so i'll kick off with tony man i mean what are the things that any couple of things that stick out to you just every single time you get a guest on that you're just like every time this is something that's a bass drum and how these guys and gals talk about with their success they exist in the micro, but are obsessed with the macro. So they're focused on doing the daily things that fuel them on whatever purpose-driven mission that they're on. But they know that they need to be able to take that one thing and do it because it ultimately leads to where they want to go or what they're doing. Whether it's building, you know, from the very ground floor, um, a 950, almost a billion dollar company because they thought they could do it better. Uh, in an industry that didn't, you know, that didn't really have people that looked or were 
come from where they come from. Um, or, you know, whether it's, I think that's really kind of what I've seen is like the first thing that really sticks out to me across the board is they just are so focused on just that whatever daily habit they need to focus on because they know what they are allow they allow themselves delayed gratification for what they're what they're on their path to find at the end you find tony that they always stayed like did they have to learn that like how did they when you talk to them about these things that's that's a hard skill to do right especially for folks that are like the, the ones who run the helm what have you found are they, yeah. is that a learned skill they are so deep they have such a deep understanding of why they're doing what they're doing over time so i would say but it's it's because they feel that so much along the way because they've tried to take right because we all seek we all put in a ton of work to try to find a shortcut when at the end of the day if we just did the work that we needed to do the shortcut wouldn't matter yeah like i'm sure you've seen people try to like cheat on tests and they put like they're right inside the bottle or like i mean nowadays a lot it's of work different. goes into it yep. yeah a lot of work if you're just like hey if you just want to study for the test probably would have done the same yeah. um yeah right. i mean i i don't know how people do tests now because i'm sure with technology it's like a whole different than like i mean remember what we used to like put up the folders on the desk to like that was that was the way we stopped people from like looking at each other yeah, yeah no you had all these things it would like you cover you'd have that thing to cover the scantron up and whatever yeah. the case might have been scantron god i hadn't said that word in probably a decade man but yeah no you're you're I think it's it's a really poignant point. It's something I'll, I'll piggyback off of you in, in being obsessed with the micro. They've they've really figured out the art of how to not be micromanaging, but the, like being at I think using an old military term, just like they're always in at the decisive point. They're very heavily involved in the things that are going to move and guide the business in their particular genius forward. But you're right, they don't they're aware of the macro, but they are not so obsessed with it in a way that people are like, well, this. Tony Joseph person, they're just yeah. dreaming all the time. But how are we actually going to move the needle? They're very aware of what's going on on the ground. And, and they're willing to step away from, they're not door kicking. They get up to the point of ex execution or they know where they need to insert themselves in the point of friction. And then they're on to the next thing yeah. where they're not trying to see it all the way through because they know they can, they have a team or people that they can rely on. Getting back to reliability that can see that through and because of the way they've you know demonstrated or talked about what needs to happen and then they trust people that it's not going to go to according to plan and whatever happens along the way the people that they put in place are the ones willing to fix it even if they're like a solar a solopreneur and they're doing their own thing but they have other people that they work with yeah yeah, it's, and so you lead to the point that I want to be able to bring up, which is the people, the team. They're also highly, they're, they're gifted at finding the right folks. And arguably, folks, almost one of the most common things I've heard these successful folks talk about and these great leaders talk about is how they've immediately built a team around them that are that boxes way above their weight class. And they do it with such humility. They're not... They're not scared or insecure about that. If anything, this is like, this is the ingredients of success. Uh, and I've noticed that folks who seem to find ways to drive that mission forward immediately build this stable of people around them that are just world-class. And that's something that I think in a lot of ways, I find also holds back a lot of folks who are starting ventures and whatnot, which is a lot of 
putting it on themselves, even if they can't afford to find the right folks. Are you finding that too in your side? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the financial component is, is sometimes it, it almost doesn't matter, right? I'm not trying to say like, oh, yeah, no but they're able to, if they need to connect with someone, they are willing to kind of put their ego aside and say, and show where there's the value, right? Because it's not always a fiduciary responsibility on that individual. There is a time component too, like where they go out and say like, this is, I've seen many people, and I'm sure you've done it yourself where you've written a cold email um, and to, I had to figure out what cold email was. Um, it's not because it's ice cold. And uh, just say like, here's the value that I you've given me. Thank you so much. Um, here's a quick question or like kind of a, and people are very quick to just kind of hit you back. Yep. Right. And it's again, going back to the gesture piece, that's monumental because you don't need to be best friends with the person you're trying to communicate, but they can help at least steer the plane a little bit, right. To get you back on path. Cause if you continue to go 60, you know, you go 60 minutes off one degree off course, you're way off the path of that you're trying to go on, but somebody just initially just kind of tapped you back on. Yep. You can still right the ship no it's and you know the speaking of like being responsive i had um one of the uh, the executive director who runs the texas business hall of fame i was chatting with her one day and uh, i said i don't know how we got on this topic but one of the things she had mentioned to me as we were talking about she goes you know i've learned joseph that highly successful folks folks even with just enormous amounts of just wealth and whatever they're very responsive highly responsive and i was like really she goes, amazingly responsive. She goes, what I mean by responsive, I mean, it's usually them, but if not them, it's usually someone on their staff that's responding to you fairly quickly. And what I learned about that, Tony, is that they, when you reach this level of being just kind of an elite leader, someone who's invested in the craft and someone who's really invested in what they're doing, whatever it might be, business, organization, military service, public service, whatever it might be, you've learned that your time and others' time are super valuable. And they are, they understand how important time is to them and to disparage somebody else and keep them hanging is not okay in their book. And so they have, they have created this culture around them within their staff, whether it's the chief of staff that they have or someone on their team that's constantly nurturing to include, I mean, they're not always saying yes either. Sometimes it's just, I've got notes. It's like, Joseph, love what you're doing. Not a fit right now. We just got to keep moving, but they give you an answer and they, they can make that clean break, but they're responsive. Yeah, it's impressive. I shot General Petraeus a note after our, our conversation. Um, or he shot me a note after our conversation. I replied with, you know, within five, eight, it was eight minutes. I got a response back. Yeah. No, it's impressive, man. This is the guy, like, you wouldn't, the funny thing is you would not even feel bad if he never got a response. Like, it would be something you'd be like, well. Right. You know, but it's not the case. And it's not, that's a, it's a hard thing to teach. I think it's a mindset of respecting time and relationships in a way that's just beyond what I think you can teach anywhere. And I've had a challenge that on myself because I'll have people respond. Um, and I, you know, I try to check the email for the podcast, like frequently enough, but it's not like every hour, every day. So I try to get back within like 20, 40, 24 to 48 hours. If, yeah. you know, I'm not doing something else, I, you know, not I here. You're pretty, um, you're pretty highly responsive, my friend. <laughs> but it, that that's been a learning point for me because like it is that value of not only your time but the, someone else's time and yeah. it's okay to say no 
it is okay. You just got to say it, right? Like you just got to be like, right. this ain't fit. Yeah, no, I had, and sometimes it, it'll hurt you. It'll, sometimes you really, really want to make this work, but you realize by dragging it out, it's not doing anybody any good and it's killing any kind of momentum that you can have. Speaking of momentum, that's another thing I've learned. I've learned that the leaders and folks that have seemed to create the most amount of net good in what they've done and how they've done lean into momentum a lot. They are not super Monday morning quarterback about every decision that they've made. They've almost released that as part of the game. Like this is a thing that is going to happen. We're playing a game. People are going to get hurt and, you know, and things are going to happen. We're going to lose some. But at the end of the day, my job is to make sure that I'm creating as many at-bats as I can for my team to be able to kind of fight another day. Is that something you're seeing as well? Absolutely. They're, they're just trying to get on base. They don't care about the home run or the grand slam. They just want to get on base. Yeah. In order to get on base. You because on base, keeps them at, on base keeps them in the game. Yeah, that's right. And it's, it's like a running game for a lot of them, right? I think the successful mm -hmm. folks are like good with the running game. They're not like – it is – What's amazing is thing is you look at these folks, right? I mean, I, you got to tell me if this is if this is what you're seeing. I know that you even talked to the gentleman who uh, was it the Logan family of sports clips, right? The other, you know, and you were yeah. you know, chatting with them, and you realize like it's it's incredible when you hear folks like that talk about their secret recipe. There's just it's uh, it's climbing stairs. Like they are just like I took one stair at a time. I just didn't stop. That was the difference. Right. They don't have any secrets because it's. It's all the things we already know. It's yeah. just that they've been able to hone the craft and embrace that to continue that momentum forward. So talk to me about discipline, man. I know that's a topic you and I, you know, think about quite a bit. It's got to be that, right? There's a like, because then why isn't everybody doing this? That becomes the question, right? Well, then how come not everybody yeah. else is doing this thing? What have you seen or heard or thought through about on that topic? They don't believe in themselves enough for what they're doing. Interesting. They get distracted. I can attest that in my own life, right? Especially about, as I've like learned different things along the podcast. Like I've tried to just basic, just show up. Yeah. Show up. And sure, people will debate that, right? But like just doing the consistent action is discipline. Mm -hmm. And committing to it. How have you... Like, what do you do in your own, just to kind of make this a Tony question specifically, maybe yeah. less about the guests, but like, what it, is there a small thing or a big thing you do every day to keep you just honest about doing the thing, whether you like it or not, you just know it's going to add something. When I get overwhelmed, I realize that this is enjoyable, specifically like podcasts. It's enjoyable. I, I wouldn't show up for as many episodes as I, as I have yeah. if I didn't enjoy it. The other thing is, is, why am I taking myself so seriously? And then that ultimately leads to the next question of, have I taken action on that thing that makes me anxious? The answer is, all, and I'm not one to speak in like definite, but the answer is always no. Mm. And then when I go to do a little bit of the action, right? Like every, the, how do you eat an elephant one, pe one bite at a time? Um, you know, everyone knows the rules, one bite. Ah. Uh, that anxiety kind of like washes it. It doesn't kind of it washes away. Yeah, no, it's good. It's recentering, right? I think you gotta look at I. I think about how often we'll get caught up in the own rules that we've created, right? These are the rules we've created. Um, I used to have an old business mentor of mine, a guy I worked with for many years. He used to say, uh, he said, define the rules in which you can win by. And originally, when I heard that, I was like, man. 
like if you just change the rules all the time like what game are we actually playing here right but what he meant was is doing this thing right like just recognize the rules you've created are the ones you've created right and so honor the ones that you can create like create the ones you can honor and i think that that's it i think that you said something to me one time man you said something to me one day i remember we were chatting it must have been i think it was i think it was a year or two ago we were chatting we we're just catching up man just like old buddies do and I don't know, I'd asked you, I think I asked you very casually, like, well, what else you got going on? You had given me kind of a spread of the things you had going on. And you're like, Joseph, that's it. And I was like, that's it? He goes, look, you go, look, if I had any more things that I added to my plate, you know, I would not be able to do these things that I'm doing very well. And actually, like, as much as that may have been a casual statement to you, to me, it was actually really <laughs> remarkable. Because I also find very successful folks and folks that live their life with purpose are very committed to a few things. There's not like, it may seem like they're committed to a lot of things, but they're really not. You know, I think that their impact seems to have a lot of tentacles and that gets mistaken for what they're actually doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. Doing less better doing is less another takeaway from like all these guests is they just know what they want to do. And sure, they have other things that they want to like kind of pull in, but that just naturally happens, right? Because as they continue to show up and evolve, like, other things just naturally get attracted into it. And we could talk about manifestation all day long. I know some people think that's like kind of like hippy dippy stuff, but if you don't see yourself having whatever you're seeking, you're never going to get it. Mm. Yeah, no, it, it's, um, I think we should talk about that for half a second. I think, uh, at least in a way that's super, maybe like not PhD level, but very practical. I think with folks, yeah. one of the things I've also noticed with, as I've talked to all these, uh, leaders out there and folks that are doing great things in their life uh, we can talk about how they're imperfect and human and stuff and that's kind of i think goes without saying hopefully you listen to either one of our pods you'll realize that very quickly absolutely yeah you know everybody's got this thing they're very humble and, and whatever about who they actually are very human but what i realized about what they do is that they're you know when it comes to like them being able to set a tone for what they're going to do for the day or, you know, what they're going to decide how they're going to do it or, you know, and who is going to be involved in those things. Um, they're very disciplined and very knowing about what they aren't going to do, like what they're not going to be involved with. Right. Almost to the point where like, if I don't have a teammate that's going to help me fill that gap, I'm not sure that I'm going to do it at all. I don't mm -hmm. have you seen that. Uh, yes. Time and time and time again. Yeah. Right. They, they're able to have some sort of stopping mechanism or some tactile cue to kind of catch them before they go into that event or experience because they know it doesn't serve them and what they're ultimately seeking. And maybe at one time they did give way or get, you know, give into that desire, whatever yeah. it may be. And it cost them. No, I think that's how they learn, right? They hit they hit themselves in the face and they realize like, I'm not going to do, maybe I'll do it one more time to see if it's any different this next time. But for the most part, twice and they're done. And I think that yeah. that allows that manifestation you're talking about to happen, Tony. They're also not bashful. This actually used to be something that I almost wondered if I was doing okay by doing this. But oftentimes, especially as we're catching up, is like, I'll, I don't hide anything. I tell folks exactly what I'm working on and what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And what's been confirming for me is a lot of them do the same things as well. And there's no like, I mean, how many times we grow up, we're like, hey, hey, Tony, don't say that too loud. Someone's going to steal your idea. And what you realize is the risk, the execution is everything. And the risk of someone stealing your idea is nothing. Take it's it. like pretty dang on. Take it. Right? Take, a, take, 
take it all. Try to execute day to day on what I'm talking about. But the second thing is the manifestation is the more you tell people I've noticed, the more people can hear what the heck you need. And that guest that you're looking for that you never thought you'd get on the pod or that individual or that deal that you're trying to close that you knew you needed this special partner. Well, guess what? You just manifested it. Why? Because you're telling people about it. Like if you don't tell anybody about it and you hold it like this little egg, you ain't getting nowhere. Yeah. Right. Because nobody knows what you're seeking and people generally want to help you. That's right. The more random, the more random person, the more willing they're able to just do something, you know, they're willing to help you out. Yeah. The same goes, I mean, you and I have also been that person that people have reached out to and they're like, all right, what do I, I well, here's the thing. And then I also have to stop myself. And it's like, what am I answering the question? Because it's very easy to just kind of like word vomit and throw things out to people. But it's like, you have to kind of sit back and pause. And even if it's almost uncomfortable where you sit for like, you know, 19 seconds or more, whatever it may be, as you listen and think through what that person is actually looking for. Mm-hmm. I, I've kind of narrowed it down to three things, right? People generally seek motivation, validation, or permission. Am I, you know, doing, am I able to do that thing? Yeah, you can do that thing. Validation. Should I be, am, here's what I'm doing. Yep. You are correct in your assumption or not. And then permission. You have all the skills you need to be able to do this or not. And that all just boils down to like, you know, encouragement to the individual. It's a human, it's a, it's a human thing. I keep going back to this. I think as we keep thinking about all the folks we talk with, it's such a human thing to be able to seek those things almost constantly, even after you've gotten that validation or that motivation or that confirmation, um, or that permission, you end up finding that folks can't let go of that. Like they just, they don't execute on it now. They want to go get three more opinions about, let me go ask three more people. And it's like, okay, well, how many more people do you need to ask? Like there's a, I also noticed that these leaders seem to have a, they have a, they don't, they're not so pig headed where they're going to just think only what they think about is important, especially as they're running a team. They, they do seek advice and counsel, but they do it from some very mm-hmm. strategic people. They're not asking the entire world about what they think about something. There's like this very, you know, most of them, it's usually one or two people in their family and a couple close mm-hmm. advisors that they have in their work. And so I've noticed that as well, that they'll seek from a very few strategic folks who know them best, and then they go execute. And sometimes that strategic person isn't a, isn't a senior, right? It's someone that's maybe they're, you know, six years and they have like a 20 year old that they, that's a mentor to them yeah, because they're trying to understand or, you know, wrap their hands around a problem. And I think when you're able to do that, when you can look back and say, Hey, I don't know this. And I'm not trying to look up to somebody that is like, it's just somebody else that's just very skilled in this thing. And maybe they are still up there, right? Like if you got on the call with Mr. Beast right now, or like you were talking to, you know, Jimmy, I'm sure there's a ton of things you would ask him. He's younger than us. Like that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got something to give. Are you willing to receive is really the question. Yeah, that's right. These, uh, these folks that we've talked to are, are incredible learners, right? And they're, Almost the way that we look at mentorship is is usually about seniority, but instead mentorship yeah. or advice should be from who knows something I don't, knows it well, that person now can be my mentor, right? That's it. Even if they are half my age or whatever the case might be, they almost they have zero pride in authorship. They are just trying to sponge up as much as they can 
to get as many bats as they, you know at bats as they can. Absolutely, but I do agree with you. They do have a board of advisors, right? It doesn't need to be something that's on an org chart on a website. It's yep. personal to them that they know they can reach out to for different questions or clarification or anything at any time. Yeah. No, I uh, I think that it's not a it's not foreign to now kind of reflect on even folks that we've seen in our lives that kind of roll with. A, I think they get a bad stigma. These little you know these posses they roll with. It seems like that. Why so and so who's famous or so and so who's a politician always seem to bring the same people around them all the time. I think that's gotten a bad stigma. But when you really think about what's going on there, it's actually it's wise. They're they're finding these folks who know them well that they keep close and that they can help. You know, hopefully they're these folks are becoming as objective as they possibly can. And then that grown man or grown woman, woman is going to make a decision. But at the end of the day, they still have these people around them. Um, adding value and speaking of which, because you know, especially with a lot of folks that tune into this, you know, we've talked to a lot of folks, Tony, you and I have talked to a lot of folks that are longer in the tooth in their game have been, you know, not everybody, but I'm saying a good chunk of them are. What do you think are just some things that for that first time leader who's coming into the game, right think of it as either a lieutenant or a first-time engineering manager or somebody mm -hmm. like what are the things you think about are like if they could just do these things or practice these things it probably set them on a path for being a better leader and better at the craft as they continue to push forward super easy one word gratitude okay that's man. what it comes down to yeah right like you have to be able to appreciate the moments of success failure and then the Monday moments that are always existing where it's just kind of normal because you need to have some baseline in there as well. Because if you're only at a high and, a, and at a low, you really never know when you're going to hit or coming close to either one of those, right? You need yeah. to be somewhere in the middle. And by having that gratitude, it, it's, it's different for everyone what that looks like, because you don't, you have to understand what's meaningful to you, right? Maybe some people journal gratitudes or but being able to seek that, um, there's a psychological effect. I forget what it's called. Where more, it, it's a, here's an example. Like you're going to buy a car, you want to buy a red car. It's this make and model, and you're like, all right, this looks so cool because you know, this doesn't really exist out there. And then that's all you see for the next week. Um, it's the same thing. The more just like habits, the more you find gratitude, the more you have appreciation for things, the more it's going to show itself. Just like manifestation. Um, because it's not always just like sitting with your legs crossed, eyes closed, thinking about the things that you want. It's understanding where they are and then continuing to seek that, talk about it, ex experiment with other people about what that thing is in order to obtain it. But yeah, I would go back gratitude. 100% time and time again. That's right. always the baseline. No, I think, it, I mean, there's a lot of things that come from that, right? You even just talking about that piece there thing, you know, makes you think about, we're both car guys, we like racing. And I think about gratitude in the way that you describe this, tell me if this resonates or not, but it helps you focus on the things that are, are where you want to be or things that where you, you know, where you desire to be in a very pure way. Whereas I think a lot of first time people managers that are coming into the scene and are trying to figure out, right, I'm starting, I'm setting my path now, I'm, I'm moving. They're thinking about all their shortfalls. They're thinking about the things they're not good at. They're thinking about the things they're worried about, what they're gonna get got on, right? What they're gonna get found out. And just like driving, going back to the car analogy, you know, when you're racing on a track, the, one of the first things they tell you to do is do not look at the wall, right? If you look at the wall, that is where you're going. 
Look at where you want to go and your body physiologically will get you there, right? It may not be pretty, but you will get there, right? Look around the corners, look down the straightaway. Thousand percent, like spot on, right? Like it's your compass. And if you're not where you're, you're trying to point to, you're going to just keep going in. You can stare at your compass all day long, but it's not going to help you get to where you need to go. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's no GPS for purpose. But you can't just, it's not one size fits all. Yeah. You're going to have to like bounce around a little bit. But if you keep looking at the wall, like you said, you're just going to keep running into it. No, I think, yeah, it's a, it's, it, it's a great baseline, Tony. I think it's something that probably gets washed down quite a bit. No, no, no. But I need, I need the essence, the tactics, right? I need to know the five things I need to do and the frameworks I need to go do to, you yeah. know, and give me the listicle. Yeah, yes. yeah. Give me those things, right? So that I can just be excellent at it. And instead it's like, no, 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 this is the thing we call art, right? This is the art of the craft there, right? And it's, it's not without its science. There definitely is science to it, but the art of doing this, I think if, it, if you don't have the art, then a lot of ways, I wonder if it's even all worth it. Like it's, that's the part that's fun. That's the part that gives you and recenters you on the fact that you're molding the hardest part about leadership at the beginning, I find, is recognizing that this is no longer a tactical ones and zero into a spreadsheet game anymore. Your inputs now are Tony, Jessica, Samantha, Joseph, these individuals that all have their intricate different lives that you're managing, and they are constant moving targets. Ones that every day you're not even really sure how your team is actually going to react when you're going to go sit down and kind of relinquishing control over that and really just understanding what those expectations are. And as you move forward, that's everything, man. It's and part of it's predicated in you get to do this job, right? Be great, you know, gracious, you know, be grateful for the fact that you yeah. get to do this gig, which is fun as heck, man. Right. Cause if you don't have an understanding of the art and the science, how are you ever going to have an appreciation for where you are with one, either, either or both? Yeah. That's dead on. Brother, I know we'll probably get closed out here in a second. What else can we talk about, man, as we close out our we time? We could go just, all day. We could we could go all day. I know, man. We well, give me day. this. Maybe before we before we do close out and and just for audience, you know, this is one thing that uh, the reason we kind of got together on this, there was kind of Tony and I just wanted, you know, I thought the other day as we were kind of going through and, you know, always big fan and tuning into the great work he's doing over there on Got Your Six. And I'm always telling myself, Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate it, man. And I just I realized I said, man, the the something happens when you talk to these many people and just that knowledge is going through your brain. And I said, there's gotta be some things that if anything, I want to figure out if we are tracking the same stuff, because now I just made, you know, now two is one, right? And so one wanted to be able to share that, but two, <clears throat> I think the way that in which you've been able to kind of talk to your guests about just kind of something very, I, what I like about it, it's very foundational in the components of, something we really appreciate here, even on professionally offensive, which is like, what are the human dynamics of actually doing mm. something that's tough? Right. And it usually has a lot to do with the art. So in that, in that kind of vein of stuff, any, I don't know, any final closing thoughts on just kind of what you've seen, even in the last 10 that you've done to just kind of struck you different. I wanted to be able to tell other stories from them. Yeah. Uh, so I thought, you know, I needed answers, but what I continually find and it just is reaffirmed after every conversation is I'm really just trying to ask better questions. Mm. Man, this is, I mean, that's a, 
That's probably the second tip on being a great leader, right? How incredibly well you can ask questions. And this is a little bit maybe of a brag on Tony because I know you ask great ones, but I do think it's such a really wise thing. Tell me more about that. Because you have to be able to understand and listen to where that other person is coming from. Yeah. And have the empathy. There's just so, there's so much that goes into that in order to continue the conversation because otherwise it's you're just having no value is shared nothing really gets solved and both people can walk away either frustrated or just like but when you're able to form that connection you you can really deep dive very quickly into yeah. specific topics um thoughts feelings emotions it it just forces you really to step inside what that actually that bubble of conversation more or less as opposed to just having like boilerplate stuff. Yeah. No, this is what makes, whether it's a podcast or a one-on-one -on -one or just an incredible strategy session or whatever, that's what makes it all count is how well you can be thoughtful and intentional about the questions you're asking in the context of how you need to be asking it. If I didn't, if I didn't know you from Adam, Tony, and I just met you and I asked you this really thought provoking question, You'd be like, what are you doing, weirdo? Like, I don't even know who you are. And so there's this, yeah. there's this art of building rapport and this, you know, that, and it's not, and it has to be genuine because the one thing about the human condition, which I love is that we can smell folks that are like, we can smell fakeness really quick, right? Most of us can understand when someone really doesn't want the answer, they're just trying to get some kind of clip or whatever the case might be. But when someone genuinely yeah. is trying to learn from a question, man, do you feel like you want to answer that with the best possibility that you can, right? I mean, that's just the way that it is. And I think in leadership and just what I've seen out there, it's just the, the, the best leaders out there ask incredible questions because it's coming from the right place. Right. And they're simple. They're not complex. They're not, you're not, you're not reaching into the jargon jar and pulling out a bunch of words. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just very straightforward. We're, we're having a great conversation. I don't want it to end, but we have to, we're at, I know. No, we do, man. Well, Tony, grateful for your time today, brother. As always, we'll have to do this again. I got so many hot topics that I want to be able to go with you on and be able to go down the rabbit holes. But for all y'all listening out there, go check out Tony's Gotcha Six, man. It's a great pod, action-packed all the time, wholesome. And you can't beat just a good old boy from Buffalo given his, uh, just yeah, doing his did. best to ask great questions. Thank you, brother. Hey, thanks for having my six. Really appreciate it. Yeah, buddy. Take care. Well, thank you all for listening. This is the Professionally Offensive Podcast. You can catch us on all platforms. JC out.